Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad that you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. This is your first time joining us. Hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. We are headlong into the most wonderful time of the year, right? It's the Christmas season. It's here. And I already know about you, but man, I love Christmas. It's by far my favorite time of the year. We start Christmas a little bit early at my house. We actually start November the 1st. I know that's like sacrilege for some of you. I get it. I know. We used to wait until the weekend before Thanksgiving to listen to Christmas music, put up the tree, that kind of deal. But then when God led us to start Radiant Church, we found ourselves in our new home a week before Christmas. And so with two small boys who at the time were ages three and like 10 months, uh, you can imagine how very un-Christmas-like a bunch of boxes felt. So the first thing we did was put up our Christmas tree. And so we had boxes everywhere, nothing was in order, but man, we had that tree. (laughs) So we said, hey, you know what, from now on, we are not going to wait. We're going to start right after Halloween. Like, we don't care if it's too early. We're going to soak in the Christmas season, really enjoy it moving forward. And so, you know, we did. And we've done that ever since. We had music jamming for two months straight every year to kind of cap off the year. That's definitely like one of the really fun aspects of the Christmas season, right, is certainly the music. And while we have all kinds of songs and variations that trend here and there, there are some classics that are just... Timeless. Now, I'm not talking about The Little Drummer Boy, which I think is just the worst Christmas song ever. It's like, anybody else think that? Like, you've, you've got to have a bad Christmas song, right? Like, you have to have one. Uh, no, I'm talking about the classic Christmas carols. Those, those songs that, that ring true, the Christmas story and God's love for humanity, they contain deep theological truths, believe it or not, too. In fact, we're going to do that here in the lead up to Christmas Day. We're going to profile different Christmas carols each week. And I wish we could do them all. Like, really, I really do. But clearly, we don't have the space for that. So, man, we're going to have to come back and do this again another time with, with some different songs for sure. Uh, but this first carol that we're going we're gonna to spotlight and profile here, it, it's, it's bringing, uh, it's one of my favorites, okay? It was written in the 19th century by a French poet named Placide Capot. Now, Capot's uh, parish priest, he asked if he would write a poem based on Luke chapter 2. Now, here's what's really interesting about this. Capot wasn't even a a believer, a Christian. He's actually kind of like a little hellraiser around town. (laughs) He was, from all accounts that we have at least, about as far away from God as you can get. But he was talented, and he was gifted as a poet. So he wrote this poem for the priest, and he liked it so much that he, he, he went to his friend, Adolf Adam, who was also not a Christian, and asked if he could put it to music, and it became so popular that it spread to other parishes and eventually made its way to Protestant churches as part of their Christmas hymnals. Now, that much is true. What's not entirely known, at least I I can't verify this next part anyway, um, is that once word got out about who wrote the poem and who composed the music, People tried to shut the song down. They didn't want to sing a Christmas carol about Jesus written by a guy who didn't even believe in Jesus. Uh, But by then it was too late. The song had become so popular and there was just no going back. 
fast forward to uh, 1906, about 40 years later, and the man who invented what we know as the AM radio transmission, Reginald Fessenden, he read into a microphone the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, and then he proceeded to play via violin this massively popular Christmas carol called O Holy Night. And the first words uttered on AM radio, if you think about it, they're from Luke chapter 2, and the first song to ever play is O Holy Night. That's pretty cool, right? Now, can you imagine what it would have been like to have been there on the night that Jesus was born? I think most of us, like, we picture our nativity sets, right? Like, I, and I'm not going to ruin your Christmas, but if you really want a detailed discussion on what's likely to have taken place, go to our podcast on any platform you listen to. Look up the episode called No Innkeeper. It's from December 2020. And I walk you through what likely took place and weed out the legends that have kind of overtaken the Christmas story. But here's what I can tell you in the short time we have here today. It, it, it wasn't anything like your nativity set. The house was crowded. They did not stay at an inn or a hotel. Um, there was likely way too many relatives present. So Mary's having this baby in the one place where she and whatever number of ladies are helping her uh, can have this kid, which is the stable. So it smells. It's dirty. It's completely unsterile. It's like the only place to put this baby is in a feeding trough, right? And Mary, by the way, doesn't have like the perfect figure <laughs> that your nativity set has. And she's a little underage. She's in her late teens as it were, right? And so nothing would really be described holy when you get that picture. And I think the word we would probably use instead is, you know, chaos. Like when my kids were born, it was chaos. It was organized, but it was chaos. Like people are coming in and out of the room. Shana's sweating. She's not screaming. Like Shana was a trooper, man. She didn't scream, but she's screaming. You know, she's pushing. One nurse is yelling this thing. One's yelling that thing. The OB's coming in, talking about stuff. And I I'm just thinking like, wow, this is crazy. And I also thought, I've never been closer to God, right? Than probably here with the birth of a real life human being that God has made, which is really amazing. And despite the clamor and the panic and the chaos, you know, like Mary giving birth, I, I bet she and Joseph came to the same conclusion. This is amazing. And of course, you know, they, they did bring the Son of God into the world. But yeah, that, 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 this is crazy. This is awesome. What a great holy experience. Now, on a holy night, there's a phrase we need to hone in on. And that's what we're going to do each week in this series. We're going to pick some phrases which may or may not be the lines you would first think of with these songs. But I really believe each time you worship God with these songs, again, those phrases, man, they're going to jump out at you. And, and you'll have a, a, just a special holy moment with the Lord as you worship with that song. And so here's where I want us to focus our attention with O Holy Night. And it's at the end of this verse right here. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. If there's a word which could accurately describe our world today, I think, I think it's weary. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? There's just, there's just so much anxiety today. Everything from the economy and inflation and energy to wars and conflicts, right down to families and relationships, they, they all are getting you know, kind of messed up. In some cases, they feel beyond repair. And it feels like at least one person, if not more, in our social circles has a struggle, you know, a disease, addiction, belief, whatever it is. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like many people are just fighting to keep their head you know, above water. We're living in a weary world today. But what's so great is that in a weary world, God offers us the thrill of hope. 
Imagine in the chaos of this holy night, the Jewish people, they've been waiting for the promised Messiah for, for just centuries. God had not spoken prophetically in almost 400 years. He spoke through his word as he does today, but there was no prophet saying, and the Lord says, like that, that wasn't happening. There was prophetic silence. The Assyrians had destroyed or enslaved 10 of the 12 tribes in the kingdom of Israel. The Babylonians finished the job with the last two tribes in the kingdom of Judah. Persia then ruled over the Jews, then the Greeks, then the Syrians. Now it's the Romans. And the people don't feel free because, well, they're not. And then comes this baby. And if you're Mary and Joseph, you're thinking, you know, maybe, just maybe, our our weary world can what can finally rejoice why because in the chaos of this holy night there's a new and glorious morning rising a light as isaiah would have said hundreds of years earlier uh, about this moment was coming and soon everything would change in fact let's, let's 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 go back let's go back to the moment where Jerusalem and Judah fell. The last two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, are now conquered people under Babylonian rule. It's not 4 BC when Christ is born, now it's 586 BC. And a prophet named Jeremiah was as distraught as you could get. Uh, He'd spent most of his adult life warning everybody of the wrath that God was bringing, begging the people to change their ways. Of course, they didn't. And in the aftermath of the destruction and the bloodshed, he writes a book called Lamentations. After spending most of his writing in the book, Mourning, he makes a shift in chapter 3, and he says this in verse number 20. Look at this, Lamentations 3, verse 20. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope. I love that phrase. With all Jeremiah had seen at the lowest point of his life, with his nation in pieces, his people enslaved and killed, the future looks bleak. And what does he say? I dare to hope. There's always hope, right? But I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends, and His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. You know, Jeremiah is really talking about God here now, talking to the Lord. Hey, Lord, you're faithful, and you bring new mercies when? Each morning, a new and glorious morn or morning, right? He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. And so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. I, I don't know where you're at today whether you're feeling weary or not. But I can tell you that if you're not, give it time, (laughs) okay? Because like life is hard and it never stops. And if you're good today, then celebrate because there's going to be a time when things will get weary again for you. And when they do, and if they are for you today, there's three important truths that you're going to want to remember, which can bring the thrill of hope back into a weary life. I want to share them with you here today. Here's the first one. A new day with Christ brings exactly what you need, what you need. Notice I didn't say what you want. What you want and what you need are are two different things. Look at verse 24 again. Jeremiah says, I say to myself, (laughs) like every now and then, you're going to have to talk to yourself. You've got to be the best preacher around. Open up God's word. Let the Holy Spirit stir in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. He says, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. What does it mean to say the Lord is your inheritance? 
Well, some translations will say, you know, the Lord is my portion in place of inheritance here. And here's a little bit of disagreement over the exact meaning behind the phrase. But some scholars believe this, that it's a reference to the Exodus. Moses led the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. And as they wandered in the desert, God provided everything they needed each and every day. He provided food, water, lights, even their sandals and clothes never wore out. Pretty cool stuff, right? And what God provided was all always enough for that day. If you tried to store food, you know what happened? It would go bad the next day. It was God's reminder that the people needed him each and every day, that God was enough. Jesus brings this in the New Testament a little bit too, right? With the Lord's prayer. He says, give us today the bread that we need because we need God each and every day and God's provision each and every day. He's what you need today because he's here with you today. And you don't have to worry about tomorrow when you've got God. Why? Because he's already in tomorrow. He's got what you need today. He's got what you need tomorrow as well. You know, if your marriage is struggling right now, God is what you need. He, he, he's already in tomorrow. He's already waiting for you. And he's exactly what your marriage needs. If you're feeling down and depressed today, here's what you need. You need God. You need the joy that he brings today. And don't worry about tomorrow. He's got more that he'll share tomorrow. A new day with Christ always brings exactly what you need. And what you need is the presence of God, his reality, his strength, his power, his goodness. He's Emmanuel. He's the God who is with us, not distant. He's with us, man. And on that holy night so long ago, the very presence of God was ushered into the world in an eternal changing way. Christ brings you what you need. Second truth, a new day with Christ brings us the hope to keep going. A new day with Christ brings us the hope to keep going. It is the thrill of hope in a, in a weary world, the thrill of hope and faith when all we see is darkness. It's the belief there's a new morning coming in the middle of the chaos. Look at verse 25, Lamentations again. Chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who depend, or we might say for those who hope, right, on Him, to those who search for Him. Now, I don't know who this saying is attributed to, but I've heard it a few times before, and I think it's pretty, pretty true. I think it's powerfully true, actually. And the saying kind of goes like this. And we can live 40 days without food. We can live eight days without water. You can live four minutes without oxygen, but you can only live a few seconds without hope. There are far too many people in our world today trying to survive this weary life without hope. They're, they're struggling to find people, places, systems, beliefs to put their hope in. And so what happens is they put their hope in anything and everything, desperate to find meaning from someone, something, somewhere. And the problem is the reason why they continue placing their hope from place to place to place is they're putting it in in all the wrong places, or for that matter, all the wrong people. When we put our hope in the wrong places, it can lead to a, a feeling of being hopeless. We become weary in this world, wondering if anything good can come out of that investment, uh, out of that sociopolitical movement, out of that person, out of that situation that we've put our hope into. All because our hope has been placed, again, in the wrong places. I love what Hebrews chapter 10 says. The author says this in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. In a weary world, 
full of chaos and uncertainty. Hold tightly to the hope that we have in Christ. The author of Hebrews, he, he wrote those words when living as a follower of Christ, was just wildly dangerous. I mean, in, in, during the first century, man, Christians are being thrown into prison. They're being burned alive, devoured by lions and coliseums. Neighbors turned them in. People, you know, they were sharing and helping Christ with, you know, they handed them over to, you know, authorities. They, they paid the price for their faith. And in spite of all of that, he says, hold tightly without wavering when the prison cell calls, when the lion stares you down, when the friend betrays you, hold on, right? Hold tightly to the hope that we have in Christ. Why? Because God keeps his promises. And on that holy night, 2,000 years ago, God kept his most important promise. He sent his son for the sole purpose of bringing hope to a weary world. And the challenge for many is holding tightly to that hope when you feel weary and beaten down. Too many let it go and grab hold of fear and anxiety instead. And when that happens, man, you're letting go of God's hope and hanging on to the lies the enemy is feeding you. Man, whatever you do, however you feel, no matter how hard it gets, don't let go of the hope that Christ brings. There can be some pretty dark nights in this life, but Jesus' hope brings a new and glorious morning. A few years ago, I found myself in the living room of an individual who was very active in our church. I was, uh, this person served just the hungry in our community. They volunteered to maintain the landscaping. They, they helped in a variety of ways. Everybody in town knew them. You couldn't go, like they were one of those folks where like, if you're gonna go have lunch or coffee with them, half a dozen people or more will come up and say, hey, you wanna chat? Like they're that kind of person, right? And so I found myself in their room with a, a sheriff's deputy and we had to break the news that they're only living child had died earlier uh, in, a, in a terrible car accident. They had previously lost their oldest child some years earlier. Now their last remaining child was gone too. And you want to talk about a dark, dark night, dark experience, right? I've never done anything like that before. I pray I never have to do it again. Just the pain and the hurt and the tears uh, for me was unbearable. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like to carry that as a parent, like this person did. And you would think they, they would lose hope, right? Like, because no parent should ever have to bury their child, let alone both their children. But this person understood that darkness doesn't last forever. They knew that even though they had pain that was too great to describe, there was still hope because they believed in, loved, and served a God who brings the thrill of hope to a weary world. Don't lose hope today. Someone needs to hear this, man. Like, don't lose hope today. Don't surrender. Don't cash in. A new day is coming. A new and glorious morning is on the horizon because Christ gives us the hope to keep going. And here's the final truth today. A new day with Christ brings the help that you're seeking. Lamentations 3.26. So it's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It's not lost on me that someone is listening or watching today. You know, maybe you recognize it, maybe you haven't, but God is stirring your very soul. You need forgiveness in your life. You need a reset, right? You need the help, the salvation that only God can bring. Others of you already serve the Lord, right? But you're in a tight spot. 
things are difficult for you. A situation you're in feels impossible to get out of. Kind of feels like the walls are closing in on you, you know? Like you, you need help. Maybe you've been praying and begging for it. And maybe now you're, you're doubting a little bit. Hey, listen to me, man. Christ, he brings the help you're seeking. Can I just tell you that one day with Christ, it can make all the difference. In the New Testament, there's a wild story about a guy named Lazarus. Jesus and Lazarus were very good friends, and at one point, Lazarus comes down uh, with, with a sickness, and he dies. He's been, he's been dead for four days, which is, you know, that's, that's dead dead, okay? Like, four days, you're a goner. Everyone's given up hope at that point, for sure. And then Jesus comes onto the scene, man, and he looks at the grave, and he shouts, Lazarus, come on out. And out comes Lazarus. Who I'm certain, if he was here today, would tell you, oh, buddy, one day with Jesus, it'll make all the difference. Or take the woman who had a, a hemorrhage issue. She spent all her money on doctors and nothing was working and she suffered with this medical issue for 12 years. This bleeding can't stop until one day, one day, she hears that Jesus is in town. There's people everywhere. They're clamoring to see and hear and kind of get close to him. They're, they're rubbing up against him because they're, they're packing it all in. And she's so desperate. She fights her way through the crowd. And she thinks, I, I don't have to talk to him. I don't have to hear some kind of magic phrase. I just, I just touch the guy. If I just touch him, surely I'll be healed. And when she reached out to touch just the hem of his garment, she was what? She was healed. And she would tell you, oh my gosh, one day with Jesus, makes all the difference. Some of you need to hear this today, man. Like, you're weary, but there is a thrill of hope that God wants to bring to your life, and that's going to make you rejoice. There's a new and a glorious morning coming. You may look at your marriage, and you may think it could never be what it should be, and I'm telling you, one day with Jesus, it'll make all the difference in your life. You may be sick, you have a medical issue going on that's, that's chronic even, and people are, are telling you all kinds of stuff. It's not going to get better. You should do this instead of learn to deal with it. You know? And you've been praying a long time, but it feels like you're getting nowhere, and that God's not hearing you, and that God's not acting. But I believe in a God who still heals today, and I believe in a God who still does the miraculous. But whether He heals you miraculously in the moment or in a way that you weren't expecting, I'm telling you this, one day with Jesus can make all the difference. Some of you, man, you're in the darkness of night and the chaos is real and the pain is real and the panic and uncertainty, it's real. And you need the help that only Jesus can bring because one day with Jesus, it'll make all the difference. You can add the thrill of hope. A new morning is coming. Jesus is bringing you what you need. He's giving you the hope to keep going. He's bringing you the help that you're seeking today. Let's go to Romans 13 as we kind of wrap things up here. Romans 13, uh, uh, verse 11. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time's running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Paul is the author of this Romans letter. He's talking about Christ's return here. The night's almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. The night is what? It's almost over. Morning's coming. The sun is going to rise again. And on that night, as a teenage girl looked into the eyes of God in the flesh, hope had come. Morning had arrived. Jesus would bring a touch, a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven all throughout his lifetime on this earth, but it was only for a short time. There is coming a day 
when this king will return and when hope will rise again, not for 30 some odd years, which is how long Christ walked the earth, but for good, for eternity. And those words which rang so true about that holy night, they'll still ring true on that day when Christ returns. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I want to pray for you today. Some of you, you just flat out need Jesus. There's no other way to say it. You know it. I know it. You've tried everything else. You've put your hope in all the wrong places and all the wrong movements and all the wrong people. And where has it gotten you? Right? So why not turn to Jesus? Why not surrender to the one who came for you? Who was born to die so you could be free? I want to pray for you first who need Christ in your life. And then I want to shift, if I can, to pray for those of you who are already Christians. You've got a serious concern about your family right now. It's, 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 it's really weighing on you. You're stressed out about your finances and the economy and all that's kind of ahead in the future. You're battling a sickness or medical issue and nothing seems to be working. You don't feel full of hope today. Maybe you haven't felt that way in some time. Can I just tell you that God will give you exactly what you need? He'll give you the hope to keep going. He'll give you the help that you're seeking. I want to pray for you today that the thrill of hope will feed your weary soul and bring you into a new and glorious morning. If you're watching or listening, you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I want you to say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud if you want, but you don't have to. Say it in your own words. I'm going to model it. And you just pray it along with me. It goes like this. Lord, I am sorry for the sin that I've committed. I know I've done some things that are wrong. I know I've done things that I'm not proud of. You're definitely not proud of. And so God, here today, I'm saying this. I need you. I've tried a lot of things. They're not working. Here's the deal. God, I just, I need you. And I need you to forgive me. I'm sorry for my wrongs. I'm sorry for my sins. Will you forgive me and cleanse me and become my Savior I know you came. You were born to die. You came to die for me. You rose again so that I could have freedom with you, forgiveness in you. And so, God, today I'm saying, Lord, give that forgiveness to me. I, I don't deserve it, God, but I need it. Be my Savior. And from this day forward, I'm going to commit myself to following you. I'm not going to do my own thing. I'm not going to call my own shots. I'm not going to go my own way. I'm going to serve you and you alone. You lead me. You guide me. You be Lord of my life. And I will be yours from this day forward, God. Be my Savior and be my Lord today. Father, for those who are already believers, I, I pray for them who are struggling right now. They, they don't feel like there's a lot of hope. They've got worry and anxiety built up. There's some concerns weighing them down. There's some sicknesses. There's some issues going on. God, I pray you would bring back that thrill of hope in their lives. Remind them there is a new and glorious morning coming, God, that you are going to give them the hope to keep going. You're going to give them exactly what they need today and tomorrow. God, you are going to give them the help that there is seeking. I pray, Lord, for healing. I pray, God, for wisdom. I pray, God, for provision. I pray, God, for more of your spirit and power to touch and impact them. God, for those who just need a fresh touch and anointing, I pray for your Holy Spirit, the fresh, fresh filling of some people, God, who need that today. Lord, I pray for you just to move in a powerful way in each and every person's life who needs you. Give them the hope they need this Christmas season. We love you. We praise you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at
gradientchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.